giant robot smashing into other giant robots. This is the Giant Robots Smashing into Other Giant Robots podcast. I'm your host, Chad Pytel, and with me today is business coach, entrepreneur, speaker, and restaurateur, Ernesto Moreno. Ernesto, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. So before we go all the way back to your start, what are you doing now? I'm currently working on a new project. So I'm opening a new restaurant in in March. So in a couple of months, we'll be opening a new restaurant in the uh, trendy area of Shoreditch here in London. And this is a project that I jumped in very recently. It used to be a client of mine who was consulting for, and we ended up actually going into partnership. And the vision that we have is to turn this restaurant which already existed, into now like a change, a new brand for London with a different type of cuisine. I, I just want to make sure I, it's an existing chain or it's a new new one? It is an existing restaurant. So they uh, work, I was working also as a consultant okay. on the side and I came on board mm-hmm. because they had a very successful restaurant, but it wasn't making any money. I worked with them for a year and a half. I got them turned around the business and then I got them to be ready for investment. And I ended up actually in a way, taking over the restaurant by the majority shareholding and with a vision of now developing into a chain. What's involved in, obviously this is a big question, right? The restaurant business is complicated, but what are some of the reasons why a restaurant can be successful, but not making money like this one was? The story of that restaurant was interesting. So these are um, a couple of guys who started just a little market stall um, as a lot of people who emigrate into another country. They knew how to make arepas, which is a Venezuelan cornbread dish, and they started doing it in a stall in a market. Uh, With time, they realized they needed a place, so they ended up going into a fixed location. But what happens in the end, and I see this with a lot of entrepreneurs, regardless if you're in restaurants or you're in other type of businesses, I think the key thing here is they become passionate about the product that they have, but they forget about what running a business is actually like. So they were very good, let's say in this case, in the kitchen, but they didn't actually know how to run a restaurant. So they invested a lot of money setting up a new restaurant. The restaurant was actually a massive success. They were featured in television, in the press locally. And if you wanted to get a table over the weekend, it was very difficult. You have to wait probably an hour in a line. But then the thing is, at the end of the month, they didn't have enough money to pay the staff and to actually get any profit. So how is that possible? The concept was obviously successful, but there was something behind the scene that they didn't know that wasn't working. And there is a whole combination of things, you know, that require business skills as opposed to just the passion for what you do. And I think that's where I came in, you know, to help them understand, well, here's how we run business and this is what you can actually do. I assume that it's just, it goes far beyond how much they're paying for the food that they're putting out that there are other costs involved in running any business. Yeah, to to start with is to really understand what the business model was. You know, how do we make money apart from selling the food? You know, what are the costs associated with this? Where shall we spend our time? Because at the end of the day, their time is also expensive. And how do we go around running the operations? What are the processes? What are the technology that we use? That we're doing a lot of manual work. It's just looking at the entire operation in and out, but also even looking at, you know, customer journey, 
and all the stuff that sometimes we do in consulting or we do in, in more professional businesses and applying that into a small little restaurant and actually creating a massive difference when it comes to savings. One of the key things is to apply, you know, the, the famous lean methodology. So where are we actually adding value? What's the minimum we can do to deliver great service or to make the dishes and to, to the business that we do? So how different is this from restaurant to restaurant? You know, we like to think each of our software businesses or each of our products, it's different, but I'm not quite sure how different each one actually is when it comes down to it in terms of the way the business works. How different is it from restaurant to restaurant? I'm particularly passionate about this project, and I'll tell you why. Um, some people who know me now ask me, like, how come are you now working in this particular restaurant, you know, coming from consulting, having done other type of businesses? Why a restaurant? It feels like it's a small little piece, you know, to be focusing my attention on. And here's what I say. Creating a restaurant is an incredibly creative process. Is a very creative process because it does, it's all about creating only what you're going to offer in the menu and how you run the restaurant, but also elements around the branding, the positioning of the brand and what markets we can go into or not. What is the customer experience we're going to offer? What's going to be our online presence, our Instagram presence, our web? What about SEO? What about Google reviews? It's the whole thing is just huge. What about our people? Our, who are we going to select You know, based on what sort of values? How we're going to train them. The key thing is different to no other organization. The key for a successful restaurant is the culture. You know, how can we create a team of people that is really passionate about what they do and can give us the best? And I think that's one of the key challenges that we have, you know, when we're creating a restaurant. How are they different from one to the other? They're very different. Although they all have tables and serve food, the key thing is there's a whole proposition behind them. It's a lot of thinking around not only the operations behind the scenes, but what's in the menu, how do we offer it, how we position the restaurant in the market, what type of food we offer it. What about the pricing structure, the, the size of the portions? If we offer a generous main course or uh, people are going to have time or appetite for a dessert, for, you know, all of that things are actually decision points. And it's very exciting just to create that new brand. And all of them are different because they all choose different ways when they make all of these decisions. Mm -hmm. The idea that you can have a successful restaurant, but one that's not a successful business resonates with me because I meet people or at, at times during my business career, I found myself in a situation where I'm working so hard on something and yet no matter how hard I'm working, how many hours I may be working, it's not resulting in a successful business. And the result is I'm working hard at the wrong things. Right. And... You know, there's the famous book, The E-Myth, which essentially makes the case like this is how we get into trouble is it's the programmer. It's the chef who loves what they do and is passionate about what they do. That doesn't make you a good business person. Exactly. And that's what I see a lot of as well. Yeah. So as programmers, restaurateurs, as anyone, how have you found that you can sort of get ourselves out of that and thinking about the business what are some ways we might be able to do that? 
You know, it's, it's a challenge that I see often. And I think in a way that's where I have been, been able to build the opportunities myself because I always get crossed. You know, I, sometimes I don't have original ideas. I, I wish I was like one of these programmers or developers that come up, oh, I've got an idea for an app and I could build a business. I seem to you know, be very creative when it comes to coming up with ideas. But then I find um, people who actually have those ideas, but then they don't know how to turn that into a scalable business or a profitable business. And I think that's where my skills sometimes have been coming handy. Now, how to do that? It's a challenge to ask somebody that has an idea, i.e. a programmer or a developer, you know, to have also the skills to run a successful business. Yes, we all understand the basis. You know, we all need some marketing, some sales, some organization, some sort of project plan. But it, I think sometimes it goes beyond that because one of the key things that we need to talk about here is the strength. So if your strength is a technical expertise on developing an app or creating a product or a service, that's what you're good at. The moment you start taking all your attention or you focus into something else, i.e. running a business, then you're probably paying a price for not giving the best of you to that product or service. And I think this is where sometimes the car founder comes in handy, you know, because somebody might have the expertise or the idea, but then you can join forces with somebody who can actually run how to make that profitable or or sellable or, or very well positioned in the market. How do I go about then making my business profitable? Well, the first thing to look at is the business model. At the end of the day, a business is about making money. So where do you get the money from? Is it from subscriptions? Is it from individual sales? Is it from, you know, opening a shop and getting people walking in and buying stuff from you? That's where the money is. The second question is, okay, well, that is the sale, is the turnover, the revenue of the business, but of course, I have to subtract all the costs from it. And it's really getting a full understanding of your cost structure. You know, what is it that goes into building this product that needs to be paid for? And sometimes in the case of a restaurant, to use a very simple example, okay, well, how much is the cost of the food, of the ingredients to make the food? The second bigger cost is, well, what's the time that we're spending on making this food? The chefs, the staff that are working in the kitchen, you cost that many hours. But what we people forget is, well, what about the overheads? What about all the indirect costs that you have? What about the time even of the owner of the restaurant that is because it's a business is not even counting and valuing that money? And together with that, all sorts sort of things of little costs that are involved. And what we need to do in any business is to really understand the financial structure and then to be able to price what we're selling in a way that makes sure that we have the margin for profit and understanding where is the money coming from and when is it coming from. When you start a business, of course, there will be a period of time where you build in your database, you build in your following, you build in your clientele. And there's a point where you might be actually making losses. But have you projected when are you going to start making profit and do you have enough capital to get you there one of the things that i have come across a lot is some businesses where people start a great business invest a lot of time and effort into it but they don't get to see the business turning profitable because they probably didn't account for an amount of working capital to keep them going until that point and it's very easy to become passionate about something but you know this is when I when I talked about the starving artist um, you want to become a famous artist you start painting but you have to consider there will be a time where you're going to be you know not earning any money until you become famous and can you make it until that point I think one of the key things to consider is that how long until we make profit so you're working on the restaurant now it's not it's not your first restaurant but how did you end up in the restaurant business 
As you know, sometimes I ask that question myself. <laughs> um, I think, uh, and this is where I started talking about purpose. You know, I never, yeah. never imagined or never planned to be a restaurateur for, for that matter. I think it has been about spotting opportunities or, you know, says in the moment in certain cases. But my background really is business. I have a degree in business management and I went to business school and that's what I did. And I worked as a consultant in strategy for a long time. And then what happened was that I had the opportunity to be working in a subway as I was a student. And there's a longer story there, but how I ended up then opening a subway restaurant in partnership with who was my boss at the time. And that's how I go into my first restaurant. That was the, the subway franchise. And from there, I actually got to learn a lot because, you know, subway is actually the biggest franchise in the world bigger than McDonald's mm -hmm. by store count. And of course, they had a very well-oiled machine of processes, of how they do business, of procedures and standards. And, and that was a great, great thing to learn, which now I take into other type of businesses, given the same structure. Um, the operations behind the business sometimes is actually what makes a business win or fail. How do I get into the current restaurant? As I said earlier, you know, working with people who have been consulting. I work with entrepreneurs and I work with um, other businesses and I help them uh, run the business more effectively. And the opportunity just came up. But like I've been in restaurants, I've also been in other type of businesses. You know, it's just uh, yeah. coincidental, I think. So what are the different businesses you've been involved in? I've been involved in retail. So we run stores where we buy and sell secondhand electronics and gaming and things like that. Uh, been involved in franchising and been involved in a professional services company offering training and coaching services, amongst other things. Um, it's, it's actually a difficult question for me to answer. I think one of the key things that have to happen is that I need to kind of love the product that I'm working with or love the service that I'm offering. Mm -hmm. But for me, and this is probably a very personal view, for me, business, and I said it earlier, business for me is a creative process. It's about, okay, let's see what we can do with this. I always see business like I'm entering the cockpit of a plane, you know, and, and if, you don't, if you're not a pilot, you enter into a cockpit of a plane and you see all these amount of knobs and dials and controls everywhere that you're wondering, like, what are they for? And, and what happens if I move this one to the right a little bit more? Will that be the altitude or will that be the speed? And I think business is like that. You know, you have so many variables that you need to tune in into whatever you want to achieve, i.e. your destination on this flight. And what happens is all businesses, even if they're in the same product category and in the same industry and in the same geographic area, they all tune their dials at a different points. And that's what makes the difference between one restaurant to the next or one business to the next. Mm -hmm. And those dials are things like marketing strategy, sales pitch, logo, branding, you know, team composition, recruitment strategies, plans, project plans, you know, you, you name it. There are so many things that you can do one way or another that the combinations of all of them together makes your plane flight. That's where it gets exciting for me. For me, it's not so much about what the business is, but about the process of putting all these dials in sync so that we can fly somewhere. Mm -hmm. When you get involved in a new business or start one, do you feel like you need to or always have the destination in mind? Like, Do you know where you want to end up when you get started? I think I have an idea of where, but experience have shown me that I always ended up in a different place. Mm -hmm. And this is where I think it's really interesting because if I didn't know where to go, 
I think it will be a very difficult and challenging start. I think we all need somehow a destination. And I always say that plans or strategic plans or long-term plans don't actually work, but they are necessary. What I find is that I see a lot of businesses and companies and people say, well, let's, here's our five-year plan, here's our three-year strategy, here's this. And actually, when you one year, when you're done, uh, a year down the line, none of that actually had happened because you encounter changes, you encounter changes in the market, or you discover, you pivot, you change, you, you tip, and that actually gets you to a, even a better position than you were before and you didn't know it. And then you change your business model or you change your proposition and you ended up in a better place. But you wouldn't be able to see that beforehand until you actually start walking down that road. But not having the destination in the first place is, is also an issue. So I always say, let's plan what is it that we want to do. We head in that way that allows me to then tune in with all these dials and controls I have in my cockpit. But during the fly, we will encounter turbulence. We will encounter different messages. We will discover potentially different areas of the map that we never saw that we could go into. And we might change direction as we fly. But that's what I found. I always have, in a way, ended up somewhere different where I initially intended mm -hmm. to go to. And I think it's no, in my experience, you know, that's when I start looking at people around me and even famous personalities and realize actually it happens to them as well. And I always talk about the Mark Zuckerberg, uh, you know, say, well, he never actually saw what Facebook was. You know, he never knew what Facebook would look like in 10 years down the line. Uh, started playing with two photos, you know, and um, he mm -hmm. evolved into what it is now. And I love the, the quote or when um, Steve Jobs was interviewing and said, well, you know, uh, he said something along the lines of, if I asked people what they wanted on a phone, I would have never created the iPhone. You never know where it goes. It's all part of the evolution process and, and, and the creative process of the journey. How structured are you? Are you making a point of doing quarterly planning and quarterly reviews and yearly, uh, or are you more loose than that in your business and in your life? I think I'm quite structured when it comes to that, but it didn't used to be. I have become more and more so over the last few years. I think quarterly reviews, monthly profit and loss accounts or, or just general accounts um, are essential for me now because exactly the point of, you know, if I'm going to make a business, I have to make sure it makes money. If I'm not selling, then there isn't a business. There is just an idea and a fantasy. So I need to track the reality at the same time while I'm still staying with the vision. And the only way to do that is to keep a close eye on, okay, how much are we selling this month? How are we doing with the cost? How is our gross profit, our bottom line? All of this sort of stuff I track constantly. And only the financials or the commercials, but also the work and the plan that we do. So we say we're going to do this. This is how we plan it. Where are we with it? Because I think it's about getting stuff done. And it's very easy to get comfortable, especially when you are an entrepreneur, you work for yourself, you're setting up your own business, building your own app, that you don't have a boss, if we're going to use that term, you know, to supervise what you do or you have deadlines that somebody else set for you. It's very easy to become very laid back about it and then actually realize that we spent too much time on this and actually got nowhere. You mentioned Subway being your first restaurant experience and how it was a really good model because it is a franchise and things are really put together there in terms of process and how they work and what you do. As people who are business owners and, and entrepreneurs and starting out, when in our business do we start 
trying to have a process and be operating, for lack of a better word, like Subway, how process-oriented should we be? That's a tough question to, uh, to answer, mm-hmm. I think. I think the business will tell you when. Okay. I think the moment when you feel that you start to become too much, the business is growing enough that you need to automate certain things because I think the key thing is your time. The moment you no longer have time to you know, have your fingers in everything is when you realize, actually, I need to start automating certain things. I need to make sure that uh, this doesn't happen again, especially also mistakes. You know, Part of structuring a business or creating processes in a business is about reducing the risk of mistakes or errors. So if I have done this many times and I can set up a standard process that allows me to flow like this uh, most of the time without error, then why should I not use that process? Creative people and innovative people tend normally, and this is a sweeping generalization, uh, not to be very process-oriented. You know, um, mm-hmm. people talk about the right side of the brain, the left side of the brain. Process is the left side of the brain. Creative innovators, vision is the right side of the brain. So how can I have the two together? But I think there is a point where you don't need to disconnect yourself from where you're heading in your ideal vision of the future. But there is a point where everything starts to become too much and we need process. Process actually not bad, evil things that, you know, tie our hands. They're actually things that allow us to then focus our attention and our time in all the stuff that add more value. So I don't think the process mentality and the structure in a business is a bad thing. I think actually it's a mindset of how we look at it. I think we look at it as, as a catalyzer, as something that allows us to actually move faster by not having to look after all these details that we know are going to happen and maybe they're admin processes, but why not automate them? Why not structure them? And I think having great standards also ensures that we have quality of output and the work that we're doing is good. So you are in London now. You're working on this restaurant in Storditch. But what's the bigger vision for Ernesto that you're working towards now? I don't think I have one. And I think mm-hmm. that that's the true answer. I think what I've learned so far is that all the visions that I had somehow have turned to become true, but in a very different way of how I initially anticipated. What I know is what I'm passionate about, what I love doing. And what I know is for me, my vision is to always be creating things and creating things of value. If that is in a restaurant, if that is in a retail shop, if that's in a, on a new app, then so it be, you know. I, I think it's all about making positive change around me and it's all about creating value and also building businesses that are profitable but that are, allows me to express my creativity and use my strength as I'm doing. I think it's about really all come down to enjoying what I do on a daily basis and I think that was the key thing when I decided to leave my corporate career. A lot of people said, you know, you have to you know, do what you love and, and in a way it goes along um, those lines, but also not only just doing what I love, but making sure that what I do also makes money and therefore adds value because sometimes people go and do what they love, but they miss the other two business. And I think that's that's what my vision is, always being of value by creating businesses that are, you know, are profitable and also that I love and enjoy being involved with. Mm-hmm. So you've been in the UK now for how long? Uh, 15 years, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not where you originally set out to go, right? 
No, it's, uh, yeah, I initially was traveling to Mexico and things didn't work out there and I headed for Spain and then I got diverted into London. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it is your travel metaphor <laughs> brought to life in that you had an idea for the destination and you set out there and you hit some deviations along the way, right? Uh, you know what? I never actually thought about it. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Thank you so much. Yeah, indeed. My life is my message, as somebody would say. <laughs> mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit more about that story and, and how you got started there. Um, so I, I grew up in Venezuela, in South America, and uh, when I was sort of 22, I decided that I wanted to leave home for a number of reasons, and I wanted to venture somewhere new and uh, create a new life. So effectively, I uh, immigrated in search for a new life. So I decided to move to Mexico. It was the same language. I didn't speak any English, and I thought it'd be easier. Things didn't work uh, according to plan, and I have to leave Mexico in the following two months. And that's when I thought, well, I'll try my luck in Spain. And again, same language, no visa requirements, all of that sort of stuff. But um, my flight was Mexico, London, London, Madrid. And I ended up getting off in London saying, I'm going to have a look at London. Never traveled before, a couple of days, and ended up staying. And spoke no English, landed with 300 pounds, didn't know anybody. And I thought I'll just sign up to an English course for six months to learn a little bit of English. But that's how my subway story began. I got my first job in a hotel, picking up dirty laundry from the housekeeping ladies. And then um, I got a job in subway and uh, doing the washing up and, you know, chopping the vegetables. Uh, you know, I have later, I opened my first subway store. And uh, today, now there are 15 of them. I also went and did uh, some other studies and and did my career as a management consultant after that. But five years ago, I quit that and built the other businesses that we talked about earlier. So yeah, different businesses, long story, never planned to be here, but here I am, happy. That story sounds very serendipitous. Are you a serendipitous person? Wow, um, that sounds like a compromising answer to a question. <laughs> Where do I go from here? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I was going to say yes and no. Um, no, because I don't believe in, in you know, uh, that kind of things. And, mm -hmm. But at the same time, when I look back, it sort of happened. But they don't happen just because they happen. It's not the law of attraction. It's not the universe, you know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. I think is that certain opportunities are presented to us, to all of us constantly. And for some of them, we are prepared to take them and we decide to take them and others we don't. They just, you know, walk past us. And I think we get to meet people who also can offer a helping hand and some some of us you know take advantage of that and some others you know don't and i think that's what happened in my journey um a lot of people sometimes tell me actually about the subway business oh you were very lucky you know you were at the right time with the right place and i say well it's true i probably was at the right time and at the right place but so there were another 15 people in the same shop how come mm -hmm. I, I was the one that went you know, into partnership with my boss to set up the first subway store. So obviously, I saw an opportunity. I did something different than the other 14 people. So there is an element of both. And um, I think that sometimes we meet people who actually help us to do some quantum leaps. And that's what I keep saying. You know, we, we are always actually encountering opportunities. We just need to open the eyes a little bit more to spot them. On the whole, would you say that you say yes to more opportunities than you say no to? 
Definitely. And I think if there is one answer to give you more concisely, it will be that. I think what had made my journey what it has been is to say yes to opportunities, not knowing how far they will go or or if they are worth pursuing, but, you know, it's making connections, it's saying yes, it's getting involved in things that potentially will then pivot into something else. And sometimes, you know, saying too much yeses and then getting too busy and then regretting it. But that's what's created the progress so far. I think that's what people are often afraid of when they say no. They, they don't want to overcommit. They don't want to... Uh, maybe mess up what they're already doing. So would you encourage people to <laughs> make the leap, be less constrained and deal with those ramifications? Depends on where you are. I think yeah. for the first time in my life, I'm actually saying no to things. You know, uh, mm -hmm. this restaurant project for me is very important. And I'm actually, I call that like closing doors. You know, I've been closing doors of a lot of stuff that I still want to do. And I still have the fear of missing out. But I have a very clear purpose now what I'm doing with this and I really want it to work so I've made a conscious choice to only focus on this for now uh, because otherwise it can be a distraction. Now a few years back when I didn't have something in front of me so concrete I was saying yes to more things um, and I think one of the challenges I had as, a, as an individual for a lot of time was how do I keep focus on just small things so that I can get them done quicker or, or better. I was always guilty of spreading myself too thin and a friend gave me this book called The One Thing and I didn't I was refusing to read it say I don't want to read it because I know what's going to tell me it's going to tell me that I need to say <laughs> I need to only pick one one thing yeah. and to be good at it and I just don't want to hear it you know because I know it's going to challenge my own beliefs but it was that diversification at that time that allowed me to find the right thing and now I can apply the principles of the one thing to focus on that but I think you know it depends on where we are if you have established business is working you need to take it to the next level then you might just want to stick to it but there are other times where we want to be open to options and explore things. And what we do in those times is that we just keep it you know, open and we say yes. And that's what creates magic at times. What's the biggest challenge you have now, either inside of the restaurant project you're working on now or outside of that? I'll say my biggest challenge at the moment is to really crack the code of how to create a high-performing culture in an organization. I think one of the biggest assets any business can have is to make sure they have the right people and that those people are highly committed, that they really live and breathe the vision that you have like if it was their own and that they give the best at all times. And that is not easy, especially when you're working in a business like a restaurant when people get sometimes paid, you know, the minimum wage and they actually don't see those jobs as their careers, you know, of the job mm -hmm. for life. So I guess it's about leadership, really. It's a, it's a leadership challenge. How do I bring people on board on this journey and get their minds and their hearts committed to this and that they are happy? And I just want to create an amazing place to work where everyone, you know, loves to work there. And that's really keeping me awake at night. How do I do that? You know, it's, it's a big challenge. When you have a challenge like that, What's your strategy for approaching it? Are you reading books? Are you talking to people? Um, yeah, I read a lot. I normally get very passionate about something that I don't know. And then I just go and read books or take a course or a seminar or attend a seminar or something, watch tech talks, talk to people, especially if I know of somebody who have done it before. So I seek for some sort of mentorship or coaching 
or even people some don't like to call it like that, but you know, it's just grabbing a coffee or a drink with somebody so that I can pick their brains. But it's really having laser focused attention on okay, how can I learn and crack this until I get some sort of plan or a strategy or ideas how to tackle it. How close do you feel like you are to cracking it for you? I think I'm not far off from discovering what I need to do or what effectively mm-hmm. what I'm doing. Now, how that translates into a reality is a different kind of fish, you know. Um, that's what keeps me, you know, really alert at the moment. Is okay. Well, I think I know what I need to do. What are the steps that we need to take to build that? Um, will that work when we do it? You know, because it's about implementation. I always talk about also the importance yeah. of implementation. A lot of us know a lot about a lot of things and a lot of us have a great business plan on paper or a great business idea for an app or a solution or whatever. But actually building that a reality is a, is a different story altogether. Yeah, And that starts coming from um, who we are as individuals in terms of our discipline, our focus, our attention, our personal skills. And it's all about actually personal stuff. And, mm-hmm. and that's when we know if we can make it or not, really. I've been thinking a lot lately around that, that execution point. I think it's very easy to get in the trap of if you have a challenge or a new area where you say, I need to work on this, or we need to work on this, or this is a problem. Agonizing over and discussing to death the potential solutions and the pitfalls to each one and that kind of thing. And, and really the reality may be that you just need to do something like deciding is better than doing nothing. And then you iterate from there as opposed to ever thinking I'm going to solve this right on the first go at it and instead never doing anything. Yeah, right. That's hard, though, when (laughs) it's on a real working business, like a restaurant or a consulting company or doing those kinds of things. You don't want to mess things up. You don't want to uh, cause more problems than you had to begin with. Yeah. I think one of the key elements, you know, is also to be aware or to know that when we are not making a decision or taking a course of action, we're actually making a decision, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. You know, we are actually choosing either stagnation or potentially failure or or just status quo or whatever that might be so i tend to approach that in a very logical way okay what happens you know if i do something the likelihood statistically is that things will change um, if i don't do nothing you know likelihood if the things will potentially get worse so i just sit down and do an analysis but i think we we and in business today in the world that we live in today so fast and changing constantly we really need to stay agile you know and, and be able to react to changes constantly yeah so uh, when does the restaurant open? Uh, March 12th, hopefully. Um, although, you know, things sometimes um, they'll get delayed a little bit. And so, but definitely in March, but we're aiming for March the 12th. And how long has it been that you've been working on it? Uh, we completed the deal with the premises on the 2nd of January. So it's a race against time for us. Um, the two and a half months, of course, we want to open mm-hmm. as soon as possible because we're paying a high rent. Yeah. And just we want to see it happening. So it's full on at the minute. Very, very busy, but all very exciting. Well, everything I know from watching restaurant TV shows, that's a, only a short period of time to open an, uh, a new location. So I, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time away from that to talk to me. That's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. If people want to follow you or uh, learn more about you, where can they do that? 
Uh, well, they can get in touch either LinkedIn or Twitter. There's also my website. But if you want to know more about the restaurant, which is the big thing at the moment, the restaurant is called Aripa and Co. So yeah, just find us there. Excellent. And we can link all of that in the show notes for this episode, which you can find at giantrobots.fm. This podcast is brought to you by ThoughtBot and produced and edited by Tom Obarski. Thanks for listening and see you next time. This podcast was brought to you by ThoughtBot. We are experienced designers and developers who turn your idea into the right product. With local studios in Boston, San Francisco, New York, London, Austin, Raleigh, and Washington, D.C., let's build something great together.